0: Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzovino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Matthew 26, verse 26. And I want to begin teaching tonight a series on the blood covenant Matthew 26 verse 26 and we're going to begin a series teaching along the lines of the blood covenant in verse 26 it says and as they were eating Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said take eat this is my body And he took the cup and gave them thanks and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the new testament or covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung an hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Do you desire. To experience God's richest and best blessings in your life? All the provisions that He has for us to enjoy? Do you desire to develop the highest level of faith that you can possibly develop in God? Do you desire to experience Him like you've never experienced Him before? And to experience a walk with Him beyond anything you've ever experienced before, then it is of vital importance that you and I, if that's what our desire is, learn as much as we possibly can about this subject, the blood covenant. It's equally as important that we view the New Testament as a legal document based on legal grounds. Sealed with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. If we do this, then we'll have understanding in our lives about how God chooses to deal with us. And how God has chosen to bless us through His Son, Jesus Christ. The blood covenant is a term that needs to be understood because in our culture... We don't have much knowledge about it. A blood covenant is the most sacred, honored, and respected agreement known to all mankind. A blood covenant is a legal contract or a legal document between two parties where all the negotiations are backed up by the life of the party heads. In other words, they are sealing the covenant or the contract or the document with blood, not with ink. If you purchase an automobile and you sign your name to an agreement, then you are responsible to fulfill your part of the agreement. If you fail to pay for that car on a monthly basis like you said you would, then they legally have a right to come and repossess that vehicle because you have violated the agreement. In a blood covenant, you don't sign an ink, you seal with blood. As a result, if you violate that covenant, you don't forfeit any other possession but your very life. With that understanding, you would not blindly go into a covenant relationship or agreement with anyone. Unless you fully, and I mean absolutely fully, knew that you would carry out your part of the agreement. If there were certain things that you didn't believe you could carry out, you would not seal that agreement with your blood. You would not enter into that kind of a relationship with anyone because you wouldn't want to forfeit your life, would you? All the promises, all the conditions, all the privileges, all the blessings, all the benefits, therefore would be carefully and thoughtfully defined before the covenant heads would enter into this type of an agreement. That's what a blood covenant is all about. Once that agreement was ratified and set in motion, then everything established can be depended upon forever. The covenant heads have no desire... To change their mind about anything they promised. I want you to turn with me to Psalm 89 because in Psalm 89 we have a revelation of God's view of a contract agreement or a covenant. I believe that agreements, covenants, and covenant relationships go all the way back to the beginning of time I believe that God himself entered into covenant relationships with man based on his own will for certain purposes I believe that tribes of people have entered into covenant relationships sealed with blood for certain reasons And those relationships last forever. We're going to talk about some of those reasons and share some of those things with you. So that we can have a better understanding of what this blood covenant relationship really means. Seeing that we are in a blood covenant relationship with Almighty God. And it's sad to say, beloved, but many Christians do not know that and have no concept of that and no understanding of that. As a result, they have committed themselves to something more serious than what they thought. And if they understood this, they would not be so quick to violate any of their responsibilities and duties as outlined or defined in the covenant. In Psalm 89, beginning at verse 34... We have a revelation of God's attitude towards His covenant. My covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that has gone out of my mouth or my lips. Once I have sworn by my holiness that I will not lie unto David. His seed shall endure forever and His throne as the sun before me. It shall be established forever as the moon... And as a faithful witness in heaven, Selah, or take time to meditate on that. God's attitude toward a covenant is revealed right here. Number one, He will not break it. Number two, He will not change a word of it. He will not violate it. He will not break it. He will not change a word of it. He won't alter it in any possible way. Once He has sworn, it's guaranteed. Once it's established, it is forever. He will never lie because He's not a man to lie nor the Son of Man to repent. Once He said it, He will do it. And once He spoke it, He will make it good. Now, what about sovereignty? Sovereignty. Beloved, I believe that God is an intelligent being. He sees the beginning and the end and knows everything in between. If there's anyone that can, in advance, know the ins and outs and the fine print. You know that fine print that sometimes you see at the bottom of a contract that you forgot to look at? He knows all about it. He would never authorize or establish any contract ratified and make it legal without knowing exactly what His intended purpose is. Therefore, before the Almighty God seals anything with His blood, He will make certain in advance that it is an expression of His absolute will for the parties involved. Can you see that? So God in His sovereignty bound Himself to His covenant, sealed it with blood and said, this is how it is and it cannot be altered, it cannot be broken, it cannot be violated and it cannot be changed in any way whatsoever regardless of sovereignty. Can you see that? Now, I want us to turn to the book of Hebrews in chapter 7, if you would please. And Hebrews is power-packed with covenant teaching. But I want to point out a few scriptures here that reveal to us that indeed the covenant of which we are a part is a blood covenant, not just a contract signed in ink. In the book of Hebrews in chapter 7 and verse 22. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better covenant. What does that mean? Jesus being the surety of a better covenant means he is the guarantee that we have that every statement, every blessing, every promise, every condition, every pledge is good and will not be violated, altered, or changed in any possible way. Now, under the Old Testament, the high priest was the surety of the covenant. And if the high priest ever failed, it interrupted the relationship that the Israelites had with God. It made the blood of the covenant without efficacy. Look how important the position of the high priest was. In the day in which we live, since Jesus is our surety or Jesus is our guarantee, we know we have a high priest at the Father's right hand representing us now and forever. And as long as we are alive, we will always have someone representing us to the Father guaranteeing that every word of the covenant is fulfilled. Every statement of fact is fulfilled. Every agreement, all negotiations will be fulfilled, guaranteed. All because of Jesus. Beloved, all heaven stands behind the blood covenant. The government of heaven with all of its powers stand behind every statement of fact. Not one condition can be altered, changed, or violated. What we need, beloved, at this hour, is not to have a review committee to come in and try to negotiate a better contract or a better covenant. This contract and covenant does not need to be improved upon. Every statement has our best interest at heart. Every fact deals with God's ultimate plan for our lives. Every blessing blesses us beyond anything our hearts, our minds could imagine. Every promise is beyond our heart's delight. This covenant does not need to be renegotiated. It does not have to be reviewed. We need teachers to reveal our rights... And teach us how to walk in the light of what belongs to us based on our covenant. Every benefit and every right is legally ours without question. Now, if you're taking notes, you want to write these things down. The blood covenant is, number one, our contract with God. Our contract with God. I used to work in a mill. And when I did, if I felt my rights were being violated, I would go to my shop steward and I would ask him, what does the contract say? He would read to me what the contract said. Do you know what? I never asked the shop steward, do you think I have enough faith to get that enforced? He would look at me and say, what? Well, you know, I didn't get a vacation last year. I had a week coming to me, but they denied me. He would say, they can't do that. Why not? It's in the contract. What's in the contract belongs to you and you don't need faith to enforce it. Just believe it. It's yours. Act upon it. Let's go see management right now because it's yours. I don't have to muster up some kind of faith. Do I? Well, this covenant, this blood covenant is my contract with God. If God didn't want me to have it, He would not have agreed to it. He would not have said it. He would not have sealed it with blood if He didn't want me to have it. If the company I work for didn't want me to have a week's vacation, they would not have negotiated with labor and said, we agree to it. Since they said they agreed to it, it becomes mine, it is mine, and I don't have to be tall enough to get it. Amen? It's mine. The blood covenant is our contact with God. Look at Hebrews 8. In verse 6. But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant which was established upon better promises. Under the old covenant, only the high priest had contact with God. Only the high priest could walk in to the presence of the Most High God and draw nigh unto Him with great precaution because He had the blood of a bull or of a goat. Under the new covenant, which is a better covenant established upon better promises. Hebrews 10, if you would please, verse 19. Every one of us, every one of us Every one of us has contact with God. Verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Not by being six foot two and 200 pounds. Not by having developed this enormous faith but by having a legal right of access to the Father's holiest presence. How? By the blood, by the covenant, by the contract. That verifies it's a blood covenant. But go back to verse uh, chapter 9, if you would please, and verse 12. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by His own blood, He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. See, the blood of bulls and goats only gave the high priest access to the holy presence of God to draw near to Him so that He could minister for the people. But the blood of Jesus is a better sacrifice that offers better promises, and this is better. You can walk in to Daddy's throne room for yourself. By yourself. Hallelujah. Isn't that better? It's our contract with God. It's our contact with God. It is the underlying principle upon which the New Testament rests and is based and stands. When Jesus said, I'll build my church Upon this rock, I believe it's the blood covenant that's the solid foundation upon which He built His church that the gates of hell will not prevail against. When He said, the wise man digs deep and lays the foundation of his life upon solid ground, I believe, yes, He is the rock of our salvation, but what that means is it's the blood covenant The blood was shed for specific purposes and reasons and that blood covenant is our contact, our contract with God. It is the underlying principle upon which the New Testament stands and it is the foundation for the success of the church of today. It is the basis upon which our faith is developed. It is the basis upon which every prayer is answered. It's like being a good shop steward, opening up your contract, the Bible, finding out chapter and verse, what is yours, what promise, what statement of fact, what benefit, what pledge, what provision, and then realizing unconsciously it's mine. Well, I'm going to take a week vacation this year. Why? Because I found out it belongs to me. I'm going to start turning in those hospital bills. Why? I found out it belongs to me. In other words, I'm going to wake up and read the covenant. Did you ever walk into a room and say to yourself, I wonder if I have enough faith to turn on the light switch? Did you have to sit down and say, Honey, did we pay the, the light bill this, this month? Or did you unconsciously know that the power has been supplied to your house and all you've got to do is walk in the room and flick on the switch? Beloved, this teaching will help us flick on the switch of faith. Because it will be an unconscious acting on our part upon that which is already ours that God has already provided that He has died for us to have. And when we see it that way and know that it's legal, then with that unconscious awareness, faith rises in our hearts and we just take it because it's ours. We don't fight to get it. It's already ours. It was negotiated It was agreed upon. If it wasn't agreed upon, the blood wouldn't have been shed and it wouldn't have been sealed. But it was agreed upon and the blood was shed and it's sealed and it's ours. Okay, now let's go on. It is the last will and testament of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And as the result of His death, the testator has died. It is in full force today and every benefit is ours. We are the beneficiaries to His last will and testament. Look at chapter 9 and verse 15. And for this cause He is the mediator of the New Testament or covenant. That by, it's the same word, by the way, in the Greek. If you look those up in the Greek, you'll find out testament and covenant are the same Greek word. That by means of death, for the, tra- for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament, they which are called might receive the promise of in- eternal inheritance For where a testament or covenant is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is of force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. Whereupon, neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. So here we see that the first covenant or testament was sealed with blood and so is the new covenant or testament sealed with blood and the testator has died and shed his blood and therefore everything that was negotiated, everything that was agreed upon, everything that was listed in the last will and testament and last week checked, Jesus was in his right mind. No one would have to do a psychological evaluation to determine whether or not He meant what He said. It was penned out, planned out, carefully, skillfully thought out, and given to us. We are the beneficiaries of that covenant, and now it is in full strength and full force and cannot in any way be altered or changed. Now you've read this verse, and so have I on numerous occasions. It's found in Revelation 12:11, and while you're going there, just in case you might have a thought about covenant benefits. Revelation 12:11. let me give you this thought. In the book of Psalms in Psalm 103, we read, "Bless the Lord, O my soul." And all that is within me, bless his holy name, bless the Lord, all my soul and forget not all his benefits. A benefit is a condition of a contract, something that was negotiated, something that was agreed upon by both parties. And once decided upon, it would then be accepted and then enforced once it has been established And decreed, it cannot be altered or changed. Are you ready for some of the benefits of the covenant? Who forgives all of our sins. Have you ever asked, do I have enough faith to believe that God will forgive me of this sin? Who heals all of our diseases. Who redeems our lives from destruction. Notice these are benefits. A benefit you had nothing to do with. If you work somewhere and you are not in the negotiating process, if you are not an arbitrator or a mediator, you know what? You're just a a worker, and you're an innocent bystander, and whatever they get, you're going to shout for. And the more they get, and the better they get, you're going to shout for. And you're going to sit back and believe for the best, right? And enjoy it, right? But you had nothing to do with the negotiation. Now, you may have to vote and agree upon the contract, How would you agree about this contract? He forgives all your sins, heals all your diseases, redeems your life from destruction, crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, and satisfies your mouth with good things that your youth is renewed like the eagles. We might as well just enjoy all that. You know why? It's ours whether we ever see it or not, whether we ever act on it or not, whether we ever take our vacation or not, it's ours. I said it's ours. Forgiveness of all sin, healing from all sickness, redemption from all destruction, it's all ours. Whether we ever benefit from it or not, it's ours. I like this one. I'm about to shout right now. I don't know if I could handle this next one. <laughs> Revelation twelve eleven says... And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. The blood covenant is our legal right to enforce Satan's defeat. Our legal right to enforce Satan's defeat. Do you know what that means? We need to look at Satan as being inferior. An inferior being beneath our feet. Let's not just sing about it. Let's start believing in it and walk in it and enforce the defeat of our enemy who is inferior to us in Christ, who is beneath our feet, who has no right to wreak havoc with our lives. The fact that He says by the blood of the Lamb... You could say this. They overcame him by having a working knowledge of the blood covenant and all their legal rights and privileges and the word of their testimony and speaking out those benefits, promises, or using the authority that God gave them to do what? Overcome Satan. And indeed, they loved not their lives unto death. Their focus was not on themselves and as far as the enemy was concerned, he's under our feet. He's defeated. He is powerless, stripped by Jesus, defeated by our Savior and Lord. How many of you are seeing something here? In other words, the least in the body of Christ is greater than the devil with Christ in him. Amen. Amen. Too often we hear Christians talking about the devil's got me on the run. Well, it's time to get the devil on the run. Stop talking about what the devil's doing. Start talking about what Jesus did. And if you start talking about what Jesus did, the devil will be on the run. Hallelujah. All right. Why? Everybody say why. Why a blood covenant? What are the reasons for establishing something so serious with mankind like a blood covenant? Why? What are the official reasons? Reason number one. The why of the blood covenant. First of all, for protection. Protection. Stanley and Livingston spent many years of their lives in Africa... As missionaries and in the process of their dealings they came across villages and and tribes of people. In their experience they came across situations where their lives and their life's work would be in danger because of the tribes that were there that had no idea why they were there, what their purpose was and wanted them not to trespass upon their property. Stanley one day was told by his interpreter, why don't you enter into a serious covenant with the tribal leader? And Stanley said, say what? He said, why don't you enter into a serious covenant with the tribal leader? Why? He didn't understand covenant. He said, what's a serious covenant? And he said, it's a blood covenant. You become his blood brother, his blood partner. And if you do, you'll be protected. You and all yours. Well, he was puzzled by it, but he said, okay. Now, this chief had a mighty tribe of people. They had a lot of strength. But what he wanted from Stanley was his goat. Stanley had a goat that he wanted. This tribe had strength. Stanley had a goat that the chief wanted. To Stanley it was a sacrifice because he needed the goat's milk for his own strength and life. But he said, okay, I'll do it. I'm willing to give it up. So he gave it up, entered into a blood covenant relationship with this tribal leader, this chief. He gave him the goat, and I'll get to the explanation of a, of a ceremony in a minute. But he gave him the goat and the tribal chief gave him a seven-foot spear wound in copper. The ceremony was over. He went about his business, and he just began doing as, as before, and now everywhere he went with that spear, he was revered and honored by the people. He was protected and cared for. He and his, all his workers... Because the people recognized him to be a blood brother with this tribe and with this chief. And they knew if they messed with Stanley, they messed with the chief and his goat. So everywhere he went, everywhere his people went, what happened? Yes, sir anything you want sir treated with honor and respect and dignity what changed all of a sudden blood partnership is what took place he was protected and cared for number two reason to ensure trust to ensure trust how many of you know that God doesn't need protected from anyone how many of you know we do Why did God enter into a blood covenant relationship with us? So He would protect us. We needed protection. You remember the blood that was applied to the doorpost and the lintel of the Israelites there in Egypt? And everywhere the blood was seen, the death angel did not go to that house. He passed over. They were protected by the blood of the covenant. To ensure trust means if we enter into a business relationship and partnership, I need to know that I can trust you and you need to know that you can trust me. If we entered into this blood covenant relationship, then you knew I would be a person of integrity and I would carry out my dealings with you properly according to our agreements. I would not wrong you and you would not wrong me. To ensure trust. Hebrews, if you would please, again, chapter 6 real quick. And verse, I believe, 19 or 18. Go back up to 17. Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of His counsel, confirmed it by an oath. Beloved, God knows He can't trust us. He wants us to know that we can trust Him. To confirm means to remove doubt by an authoritative act or indisputable fact. God wanted to remove doubt by an authoritative act or by an indisputable fact. What did God do to remove doubt from the hearts and minds of the people? He entered into a blood covenant relationship, swearing by an oath, confirming His will with an oath, which is His will for our lives after careful thought and skillful planning. Immutability means... It's not capable or susceptible to change. It's not capable of being changed. It is not susceptible to change. God, to remove all doubt from man's mind about whether or not man could trust God by an authoritative act, by an indisputable fact, He shed His blood, confirmed the covenant with an oath, swore by Himself... So did in blood. And if that doesn't convince us, nothing can. There is nothing more powerful than that. Every statement of fact can be trusted because of this authoritative act of God to ensure trust. Number three, and this is probably the most important, the third reason to enter into a blood covenant relationship is because of love. That's why people get married. In the marriage ceremony, we have a reenactment of a blood covenant. God loved us so much that He wanted to enter into a covenant relationship with us based on love. Just like Jonathan and David loved each other so they entered into a blood covenant so they could vow their lives to one another and know what they would do for each other. Just like the marriage ceremony, the same thing is true. So because of love, His love for us, God took us unto Himself through Jesus Christ and entered into a blood covenant relationship with Him so we can learn to love Him. We love Him because He first loved us. Now, the method. What is the method of this blood covenant? Here's how it goes. You start with your friends and a priest and you get these two leaders, the chief and Stanley, people like that, covenant heads, and you come together and you exchange gifts. You exchange gifts, meaning that all that I have is yours and all that you have yours. Is mine. All my talents, all my abilities, all my resources, all my assets, all my liabilities, all that I have belong to you, and all that you have belongs to me. That's what you're saying in this ceremony. The third thing that you do is you get a cup of wine, and you cut either the palms of the hands or the wrists, And you allow the blood to drip into the cup and you stir it and mix it and then the covenant heads will drink the first one, half of it, the second one, the rest of it, which was symbolic of their union or coming together in covenant agreement. After the drinking of the wine mingled with blood, then they would take either the palms of their hands or their wrists and place them together My life flows into your life and your life flows into my life. We are in union. We are one. After that, sometimes they would take some sort of gunpowder. They would rub something into the wound so that there would be a mark after the healing process took place and there would be a reminder of the fact that they are in a blood covenant relationship. Then there would be the Curses and the blessings pronounced by the priest. Awful curses would be pronounced if you violate the blood covenant. Glorious blessings would be pronounced if you kept the blood covenant and all of its statements. That reminds me of Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim where once a year the priest would go up, sound the, the horn, and they would pronounce all the curses and all the blessings to remind the people year after year that for, for walking in the light of the covenant, they'd be blessed in this manner. But violating the covenant, these curses would be sure to come upon them. So it was already established, it was up to them as to whether or not they would choose blessing, or cursing, good or evil, life or death. After these were pronounced, then came the memorial. They would either plant trees, or they would erect a monument, or they would establish a covenant meal that would be something to be mindful of their covenant relationship, and not only to remind themselves, but their descendants after them that they are partners in an agreement that cannot be annulled. The moment the covenant is solemnized, and beloved, listen carefully, the moment the covenant is solemnized, everything that a blood covenant man possesses is legally at the disposal of his brother. Everything the blood covenant man possesses is legally at the disposal of Of his brother. All that I have is yours. And you don't have to ask me to use it. It's just yours. It is every bit yours as it is mine. And all that you have is mine. And this is going into this eyes wide open, knowing exactly what they're getting into, and then sealing it with blood. Okay, can you see that? All right. What does that mean as far as we are concerned? Again, listen carefully. It means the moment the New Testament or covenant was solemnized and the blood of Jesus Christ was accepted as the sacrifice for sin and that the agreement that He negotiated between Himself and the Father was established, it was now sealed with the blood of Jesus Christ and can never be made null and void, can never be dissolved, and it represents everything that God desires for His man. Jesus Christ Himself being the God-man... Listen carefully. We're going to new places. His blood represented both covenant heads. He is 100% God... He is 100% man. His blood represents both God and man. That blood is shed by God for man. They come together. After all the negotiations, the blood is shed. It is accepted in the high court of heaven. The new covenant is ratified. It is set in motion. It is in force. It now belongs to us. And what do we have? As a result of this covenant, this contract that Jesus negotiated with the Father. Now listen carefully. You don't have to have faith to have what I'm about to tell you. You have it whether you have faith or not. It is ours whether we believe it or not. It belongs to us whether we enjoy it or not. Number one, you've got union with God. When they drank of that blood, it meant union your life flows into mine and my life flows into yours. We are blood brothers. We are united together. We have union. We are partakers of the divine nature of the Most High God whether we ever acknowledge it or not. We have union with deity. See, you didn't get that yet because you wouldn't be sitting in your pew if you did. He became what we were so we could become what He is. He took my sin so I can have His life. He took my death so I can be alive. I'm alive in Him. I have His life flowing through me. His blood flows through my veins. I no longer have a sin-stained blood. I've got redemptive blood. I've got pure blood. I've got holy blood. I've got union with deity just as Abraham and God were in union just as Jonathan and David were in union. You and I are partakers of the divine nature and we have union with God. In Christ was the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and by our union with Him, we have the same thing on the inside of us. Number two, we have the status of righteousness, a legal standing before the presence of the Most High God without sin guilt or sin consciousness we're no longer identified as worms in the dust we're not even sinners saved by grace we were sinners we're saved by grace and now we have the status of the righteousness of God in Christ I don't have to believe whether or not I am allowed or capable of entering into the presence of the most high God I'm able to I have a right to it belongs to me now, that's why I don't like a lot of this. I thank God for evangelism, but you know what? In times past, evangelists, they'd want to preach to you. I'm like, why, you old unworthy thing, you. I'm telling you, you don't get it right. God's going to beat you. God's going to send fire down from heaven. He's going to whip you with the long arm of the law, and he's going to get a hold of you. Now, get up over here, and just hold her, and repent. <laughs> then you have five nights of this. There's a place for the message of salvation. But listen carefully. Saints have been preached to like sinners for long, so long. They think they are. They think they are. Preach the cure. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You're standing before God in heaven is wonderful. Not based on you, based on Him. Number three, you have a legal right to use the name of Jesus Christ. You No one else does, but you have the legal right to use the name of Jesus as a result of the covenant you are in with God, Jesus said, ask nothing in my name. I mean, Fa- I'll ask the Father nothing for you. You ask in my name, it will ge- He'll give it to you. You have a right to use the name of Jesus to approach the Father's presence and ask anything you will, and it shall be done unto you. Ask anything in my name, I will do it, Jesus said. Right? Now, if you can get through this one without jumping out of your pew, I commend you. Number four, you have an inheritance, which means all of heaven's ability, all of heaven's glory, and all of heaven's strength is at your disposal to be used at any time it is needed. You don't have to earn it. You don't even have to believe it. It's true whether you believe it or not. You have at your disposal. Did you hear that? Those two covenant heads got together, Stanley and the chief man. And when they did, it meant all that that chief has is Stanley's no matter what. And no matter what he needed, it was at his disposal to be used whenever he wanted. Now, beloved, listen to this carefully. People frown upon the prosperity message. Your father owns the cattle on a thousand hills and all the silver and gold in the earth. Who owns it? Who? Whose father? Father. Are you in covenant relationship with him? Everything he has is at your disposal. It's like, wake up, church. Wake up, church. All that he has is yours. All that you have is his. Faith has nothing to do with it. It's legally yours. All of heaven's resources, all of heaven's glory, all of heaven's power, all of heaven's strength is legally at our disposal whenever we need it. That is the covenant. It cannot be changed. It cannot be altered. It cannot be violated. And God said, not one word that I've spoken is without fulfillment. So whosoever will, come. Healing is ours. Legally. But paid for. This is going to sink in. And what it does, the church will walk in a power it's never experienced before. It comes through knowledge, understanding. And that's why God wants us to understand the covenant. This is just the beginning. I pray you're enjoying this. This is just the beginning of a a series of messages designed to electrify your faith. This is just just touching the surface of it. It's all ours. And by it, I don't know if you're ready for this one either. And I'll close it right here. Romans 5.17 says that by this grace that we have been given by God, we are to reign in the realm of life as kings by one Christ Jesus. You know what that means? The devil is an inferior being to the believer. All His powers have been stripped by Jesus for our benefit. It's not a matter of whether or not God wants to prosper us. God, our Father, is wealthy and all of it belongs to Him. And if it belongs to Him, you know what? You legally have it. Now, I like this point. Listen carefully. Now, the blood covenant partner would not take advantage of his blood brother. He would not take advantage and misuse his relationship. But if he needed something, it's at his disposal. He just goes and gets it. Well, the Father says all that you need is at your disposal. Just go ahead and take it. That's what I say. (laughs) <laughs> she got it back there I'm telling you she got it back there now you ready for this I want you to show me that, the, that all that the father has is mine okay fear not my little children it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom to give you what whose kingdom he gave you His life. He gave you airship, sonship, ship. Right? All of His resources, all of Heaven's power, all of Heaven's ability is yours. I'll give you my kingdom. If you're in need, all you got to do is what? Don't ask yourself the question, do I, honey, you think I have enough faith to put on the light switch today? Stop looking at it that way. Don't look at it like... Shop steward, do you, really, do you think I can really believe that the company is going to do that for me? I mean, I know I see it in the contract, but you think, I, can I believe for that? He'd say, look, guy, get it together. They've already negotiated it. It's yours. Just enjoy it. Oh, what, just take it? Yeah, just take your vacation. Anybody getting this? What is yours is yours. Just enjoy it. You need healing? You say, Father, here I am. I know what I need you got. But you know what? I know what you got's mine. You need eternal life? He's got it. It's yours. You need healing? He's got it. It's yours. You need health? He's got it. It's yours. You need resources, finances? He's got it. It's yours. Do you need strength? They that wait upon the Lord shall exchange strength. You're getting this. I like teaching you people. Let's stand before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life